Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Okay, Reg, you all ready to go? I want to commend you on your good timing on the last uh, podcast episode. You hit the music right at the right time. It was tight. It was pro. You're back on your game, Reg. Nice job. You were distracted in the past, the last couple of weeks. You were a little fast on the trigger there, but um, you focused. You paid attention, and uh, you let your skills and abilities take over. Thumbs up for Reggie. All right. <laughs> All right. So what are we doing here? We are going to do episode 314. Put that in the books. I'll give you the, uh, the three S's in the countdown and uh, you, you give me the music and I'll give you a podcast. We're rolling here. All right. Hmm. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> no lollygagging. Let's just get to it. All right. Okay. Here we go. Three. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the guy making mistakes today. All right, here we go. Three S's, star, smile, strong. Of course, people may say, well, you know, do you even know what that's from, Reg? Do you know what the star, smile, and strong is from? I've mentioned it on the podcast. I don't know if you listen. <laughs> yeah, star, smile, strong is um, a little phrase that uh, from there's a film, a Woody Allen movie called Broadway Danny Rose. Came out, I believe, in 84 or so, middle of the 80s. And he plays a uh, an agent, manager, for some very low-rent types of entertainment acts like uh, balloon folders and um, bad magicians and uh, a guy with a bunch of you know bird act and things like that. Sort of the lower rung of the uh, of the entertainment scale, but he has great pride and great devotion to these these entertainers even though they are not going to succeed in any way shape or form and he lives a meager existence because he's making you know they're uh, he's making his commission off of no money that they make but he has great devotion to them and they love broadway danny rose uh, and uh, and he tells each one of his acts before they go on to say the three s's to psych them up star Smile strong. You know, you're a star. Feel like you're a star. Get out there and smile and be strong. The three S's. So before every podcast, I always do the three S's. Star, smile, strong. So there you go. And now I do the countdown and you give me the music. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We're there. Where else would we be? But of course, your devotion, your responsibility, your obligation to this podcast 
does not end by hitting the play button. No, no, no. You got to get out there. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell anybody that you know who listens to podcasts that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs, too. You go on another site somewhere else, don't forget to subscribe to and rate this podcast. But get out there and tell the world that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Your loyalty and your devotion is much appreciated. And of course, if you like what you hear, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the, the prompt for podcast, hit the prompt for this specific podcast, and you will find... A warehouse full of past podcasts just waiting to be listened to, binged, and enjoyed, and consumed. I don't know if they're all back there. We've been doing this now for over six years. Started in May of 2016. Six years, and this is episode 314. So there's a lot to go over, but go back there and listen. So I always say, listen to what we've talked about before, because a lot of times it will help you understand what we're talking about today. Today, speaking of today, what I want to talk about is the platform of which or on which this podcast lives. And that is the WGN Radio website, which I just, the aforementioned, if you will, WGN.com, WGNRadio.com, where this podcast lives in that podcast section, in that specific prompt for Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Yes, it is where this podcast has lived for, as I said now, six years. I did go back and look. And I did record the first podcast on May 18th. So now we are into June. And so we are officially six years in. But May 18th was the, um, was the date that I recorded it. And I'm not sure if... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it was probably the week after. So maybe about the 25th or so is when it first appeared. So we are over six years now, and uh, we are now into over 300 episodes. So um, that's pretty cool. And uh, someone actually, uh, regular listener Steve, asked an interesting question on my Facebook page. What was the topics that I talked about on my first episode? And I'll have to I'll have to be honest with you. I had no idea what it was. But I do save everything. As I've told you many times, I am a pack rat and I I had a feeling that uh you know that this podcast was going to be something cool and fun and special and so I have kept all of the rundowns, especially the early ones of what uh, I'm going to talk about, I, I have a rundown that I make of all the shows so that the producer here, now it's Reggie. I've gone through several producers over the, the last six years, but uh, Reggie is my producer now. And I have a little rundown sheet that, that you know, and, and it's not very complicated, but it just, you know, it's helpful. When, when I first started the podcast, in fact, I used to have guests on a little more and I used to have 
uh, more than one segment. Um, I, I fashioned it more like a radio show initially. Because once again, this was six years ago, and this was, this was sort of the infancy stages of podcasts. They certainly have been around, but, um, but I, I thought it would be a good idea. It was only an hour show, our podcast, but I thought that it would be interesting to, um, to keep it moving and, and, and have it like a radio show. So I talked about topics. I had guests and things like that. As time has gone on, the the podcast in my mind has evolved and i certainly have guests i have regular contributors like michaela and and emily uh, armanetti who come on frequently and we and we also talk but i've also liked the idea and i believe in my mind the podcast is is better attuned i think to a one-on-one, and I've said this many times i i i i view it now as like a a dialogue between you and me um, it seems like everybody has a podcast today, and everybody is doing the same thing with them. You know, they're interviewing people, and and and, and it seems to me like these all these interviews, and and yes, in today's world, it's interesting how in somebody who's who's been in the media in my whole career for more than thirty years, um, when I started as a print journalist, you know, you would you would go and do outreach to to uh, different people you wanted to interview. And I was in the entertainment media for most of my career. So I would be outreaching to, to celebrities and you'd have to always go through this, this process. And it usually would start with their public relations person. And then you'd go up the ladder and then finally, hopefully they would, um, uh, you know, okay you and you'd get this time with the celebrity. But today it's very surprising. The, 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 once again, the paradigm of that whole world has changed. Everyone is so attuned to getting likes and being out there. There, there used to be a sense of, of selectivity. You know, if, if you were with a, a media outlet, you, you wouldn't even think of approaching a celebrity of a certain uh, status or level because, oh, they'd never do this because they were like, well, we're only doing you know, the, the media that gets to the most people, you know, so it's only the New York Times or, the, you know, the Chicago Tribune or, or, or you know, magazines, Time. And, you know, you, you, if you were a local smaller newspaper or a smaller magazine, you didn't even have a chance. You know, they, they always went to the one and it made sense. But that was the mindset there. They would do one or two interviews and reach much more people. Today, that that. That strategy is out the window. Now celebrities seem to be talking to anybody. And they're being told that they have to speak to everybody because the people that are handling them now are younger people who, who have embraced social media and, 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 and are also in their own little world of likes and, uh, and views and stuff. And so the paradigm has shifted and now celebrities... Some, you know, huge celebrities, some with with legendary status are doing regular podcasts by 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 people that don't have any huge um, you know, followings and things like that. They might look at their views or something, but it just seems like um it's becoming all ubiquitous now. Everybody is everywhere talking about anything anytime and and it, it, it seems to be, it seems to just fall, it goes into the ether. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, at least that I find. I was, you know, I, I was going on uh, Yahoo. I have, you know, I have Yahoo. I still have Yahoo as my one of my um, my main emails, and uh, I have a Gmail account, but I, I still use Yahoo. And you go on the Yahoo News, and <laughs> I don't even know. I used to be a magazine and, and newspaper editor, right? So I was, I was one of those people that was determining what was going into these magazines or what was going into the newspaper. So I was kind of a vetting system, right? I was making the decisions on this. I, I, I could never do that job today. When I see what is getting through and being published or posted as news, I would never consider this news. And yet this is all I'm seeing. I go on the Yahoo website, the news prompt, and, and, and three quarters of the daily news in the Yahoo news section is, especially now in the summer, is basically dominated by either uh, late 40, 50s, or 60s, you know, in the age group, actresses who are showing off their bodies either naked or in uh, very revealing you know underwear or or bathing suits or, or or dresses with high slits and open cleavage but the whole thing now is if you're an older and I talked about this if you're an older celebrity female your your thing is you go out there now and you show off your body um, and you're proud of it, whether it has flaws or not. That's the whole thing. Um, and so, and if you're working out and you have your toned legs or your abs or whatever, but but these actresses today, I mean, as I've said many times, the internet and so special, especially social media, has completely fed into the narcissism of of, of the human of the human race, and it has made narcissism completely validated and acceptable. But so the in Yahoo News, every the headline basically is, you know, ex actress shows off toned abs, ex actress on the beach shows off toned legs, ex you know, ex actress, you know, not X, not E X, but fill in the blank, you know, whoever shows off toned arms, uh, in you know, out on the beach, you know, it's all it's all this, um, female body expression that's that's three quarters of the stories i don't even know half these women anyway too i wouldn't mind if you knew it but they're, they're you know in, in today's world as i said before about being ubiquitous you know the term celebrity the term star has been diluted there's millions of influencers and social media stars and and these influencers that that, that teenagers know and there's so many streaming services and shows. There's a million shows out now. You don't even know who's on. And but if anybody has any kind of a name and any kind of credibility, they can leverage that. And especially a, a good-looking woman or a woman that's been on something um, can just post pictures on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or wherever they put it, Facebook, and um, and they are making news now. That's the news. I'm finding very little. News, news. I mean, that's at least in the celebrity and the art section. Now there is news about you know, sadly, you know these these recent um, school shootings in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, there 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 are those stories. But if you look at the, the entertainment news, it has nothing to do about you know shows or acting 
or, uh, you know, it's all about women, either, as I said, either older women who are, who are saying, screw you, we're still viable, and they're, you know, these are the same women that 30 or 40 years ago, when they were in their 20s or 30s, would never pose naked. They guarded their, their, their bodies like uh, with, with armor. They would never go in a magazine and pose naked or never be shown in any kind of uh, revealing thing that showed off anything of, of the private area, like their butt or their breasts or anything. And now in their 50s and 60s, they can't keep their clothes on. And it's gotten to the point where there's now even actresses in their late 30s or early 40s, which is certainly not old at all. And they're feeling old because, of course, the, the, the Internet is filled with, with, with teenagers and women in their early 20s who are bouncing around. All the Kardashians and the Jenners and all these other people are bouncing around bare, basically naked. And so now the, the women that are even still young in their 30s and 40s are feeling uh, you know, insecure, like they're being forgotten and passed over. So they're uh, January Jones, the, the actress from the Mad Men, you know, beautiful woman, good actress. All I know about January Jones now is that she's she's got toned abs. I don't know anything about her acting, her talent. I don't even know if she's in anything. All I know is that she has toned abs now. <laughs> so... I don't know what the news is anymore, to be honest with you. But I know that that apparently that's news now. So the times have a change, as, as Bob Dylan so astutely put it, 50 or 60 years ago. My gosh, have they changed. But um, what I wanted to talk about today specifically is, um, is this podcast, well, not so much this podcast, but but. Where this podcast lives, this podcast lives at WGNRadio.com. And um, WGN Radio in Chicago is one of the, if not the, but certainly in the top two or three in the country, perhaps even the world, uh, best known legacy radio stations in the world. WGN was, was one of the first radio stations out there certainly in the United States, because of the fact uh, that uh, Colonel McCormick, who owned the Chicago Tribune, was a leading world, world, not just the United States, world media baron, had a media empire, first with newspapers, with the Chicago Tribune, and then with the advent of radio, much of commercial radio's early days also centered here in Chicago, a lot of companies, especially the Zenith Corporation, of which I worked for, for a a time in my early public relations career. I was in the public relations department for Zenith Electronics in the uh, the mid to late 90s. And, um, but Zenith was a, was an innovator of radio in those days. And then they hooked up with, uh, you know, Colonel McCormick uh, and, uh, and and he started this radio station, WGN. Do you know that WGN, the call letters, stand for World's Greatest Newspaper? <laughs> That's what it stands for. If you ever looked, it's gone now, but for decades, 
underneath the masthead, right on the front page of the newspaper where it had the masthead, the name Chicago Tribune, if you looked under in small lettering, in a small font, it said world's greatest newspaper, WGN. Well, WGN this year, and in fact in May, uh, is celebrating this year, 2022, but specifically in late May, celebrated its 100th anniversary, 100 years. Uh, now, there was some <laughs> initial controversy. The, 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 the station didn't have those call letters officially at that time. The call letters were, were different. As I said, it was a fledgling radio station at the beginning of radio as a business, as a, as a technology. It wasn't until the Tribune bought it and changed the, the call letters eventually to WGN. So there was a question of what the license was when the station itself and its signal officially beamed. Is it older? Is it younger? But um, that's nitpicky. That's for, for people that are looking just to, to make a, you know, stir up a little dust. But apparently, um, in May of 1922, WGN Radio existed, and that is the date that they are using as their as their anniversary. And so this whole year, there's a big celebration of WGN Radio. And so I thought it would be fitting from my standpoint, as I said to you before, when I started this podcast, uh, I, I did try to be, uh, you know, I, I fashioned it more like a like a, a, a like an abbreviated or a, a condensed radio show with with different topics within the hour and, and guests and stuff. But I I think that the the podcast format works best, at least for me, doing it the way I do it, talking to you like I am right now, and creating a one on one bond with each of you and hopefully at the same time collectively as well hopefully uh, when i when we have these discussions and you're listening and i'm talking sadly we can't we can't um you know we don't, there's no urgency or immediacy we can't we can't do it in real time but my goal is to create a an interesting unique podcast that is a dialogue between me and you and when I say you, I mean you specifically right there. I'm in your ears, in your two ears, or maybe your one and a half ears, depending on how your hearing is. But I'm in your head, in your ears, and I'm talking to you, but also hopefully there's many yous out there as well. But the whole goal, I think, as, the, as my podcast has evolved over the last six years, going from a, a condensed radio show, which to me, that's what everybody's doing. And, oh, I, you know, this person was on that podcast. Well, so what? As I said, everybody is on everybody's podcast today. Um, and so it just seems to get all, it, it just gets mixed in the soup. And even if you do listen to a podcast, oh, wow, I, I heard an, an interview with this person on this podcast, or it gets, you know, this interview gets uh, posted somewhere online. Oh, this person said this on a podcast. That just 
that after you read it, that goes away in the ether because then someone else said something else on a podcast. News today is so disposable and uh, collectively our, um, our attention span is like six seconds now, right? I mean, look how long TikTok is. What is it, 30 seconds? That's, that's our attention span. So my goal is to do a podcast that by talking about topics, both about myself, sharing things about myself, sharing things about topics in the news or quirky little things, is to, is to do something unique. So you can't find an interview with, uh, you know, whatever celebrity, Donny Osmond, yeah, I mean, like to, oh, I'd like to talk to Donny Osmond, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> is that going to matter? But I'd like to talk about my iPod, and maybe you relate to that, like I did the last podcast. I think you might have more memories of the discussion I had about my pod, I, my iPod, than you would about any interview I did with Donny Osmond or whoever might be out there promoting something and I, I have nothing against that but I, I i like to think that um my brand of radio or broadcasting is unique in that i i bring something to the table on my own and so that's why i don't really have many guests i enjoy interacting as i said before in fact my first podcast to get back to my my initial statement there, and as I said before, this is a this is a dialogue. You could see there, it, 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 I'm roaming around. We're just having a nice little conversation between us. But the listener Steve did ask, "What was on my first podcast?" And uh, and so on that podcast, I talked about two or three different topics. I had Mick Kaler on. We were talking about um, some entertainment, uh, you know, questions and. Uh, I think I was talking about the TSA. To forget this was six years ago, right? I was talking about, you know, TSA and uh, a few different topics. Uh, what was going on? But I also talked about something personal. I was having a a problem with my picnic table. I brought it out after the winter hibernation, and it was all kind of. Just, you know, the, the paint was bad. I didn't know if I needed to strip it or everything. So I, I was trying to get tips on what happened to my picnic table and how I could fix it. So once again, I was, I was bringing in things from my, my personal life, as I do all the time, but also talking about bigger topics and then also talking to, to Mick and then later Emily about, uh, you know, entertainment topics. So it was, it was a mix, and I enjoyed that, and I still do that at times. But I also, as I said before, um, I, in my mind, the, the podcast has evolved, and hopefully in a better way. Um, I like to really talk about. It. I mean, we've got we've you know we, we I keep this to, to an hour or so, and so why why rush things? You know, on regular radio, you are on those time limits because of commercials and other things like that, and and you want you're worried about people not listening and, and hitting the dial, so you always want to keep things moving and have different topics and. And there's that that's 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 built for that. But the podcast, I think, is a more intimate broadcasting platform. And so I think the content should reflect that. And so that's why I've tried to make this podcast a little different and a, and a little more interesting, a little more intimate. I'm not mimicking a radio show. 
Uh, I could do that with my eyes closed. And sometimes I do talk talk with my eyes closed. (laughs) But to me, I think it's a little more difficult and hopefully a, a little more interesting and a little more inclusive to uh to talk about topics maybe one topic at a time and give it its due and share your own views and your own responsibility in your own um opinions about them or or share your own life experiences or and have your little anecdotes of what happened to you in your past or what's happened to you just last week i mean once again i did a, you know a few weeks ago i did a, a podcast i talked an hour about how my garage door was opening on its own. I don't know if you could find that anywhere else on the internet. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe the majority of people don't care about my, my, my garage door that, it, that sadly is still opening and closing by itself. <laughs> but, um, but I think for those who are interested in something a little different to make you come back like, what's Jim going to talk about this week? That's my goal. So I know I don't know I don't even know how many you know regular listeners I have on a regular basis. Uh, I might have two. I might have two thousand. I might have two hundred thousand or two million. I really don't know. But I do know that I get feedback from you, and I know that there's people out there that like what they hear, and so that's what I think. I enjoy doing it this way, and that's and hopefully there's a good number of people that enjoy listening to that. If you want to go and hear interviews or hear real true life crime story podcast, whatever, there's, there's a million out there now. But I don't think there's as many podcasts talking about their iPods or talking about their garage doors or talking about a bunch of more personal, hopefully entertaining, interesting, quirky, whatever you want to call it, that's what my niche is. And uh, so if you like that, I appreciate that because I enjoy doing it that way. But um, but anyway, so WGN Radio, I thought that I should share some of my uh, memories and thoughts uh, as WGN Radio celebrates its 100th anniversary. Because um, in a small way, and, and, I, and I am very cognizant of this, um, I may be a, a, a piece of the WGN radio history in that I was on the station five days a week in the afternoon drive as part of the Gary Meyer show from 20... 20- 09 through 2014 so that's a not a bad run a run that eventually found that being the number one afternoon drive talk show in chicago which i don't think is uh, nothing to sneeze at that's a, a, a fine accomplishment something that i am proud to have been a part of and so yes we you know i i i am a i'm i'm not i'm not in the uh <laughs> i'm not in the in the in the category of you know, a Wally Phillips or an Orion Samuelson or people that uh, are legends in the WGN history. I, I, I certainly don't put myself in that category, but at the same time, I am proud of the work that I, that I did on WGN um, for those almost six years. And, 
And I am proud of the fact that, uh, that today, it's been almost eight years since that show has been off the air, and it is so rewarding and so fulfilling that people still come up to me and, and mention that show and mention the work we did and, and, and mention memorable things that we talked about or bits or things that happened on that show. Um, clearly, it made a connection with people. Clearly, it was successful and entertaining and informative and fun, and they remember it fondly, as I do. And so um, it's a shame that we were taken off. We were taken off just as the show was hitting its stride, just as the show had reached this status of being number one in the afternoon. Um, It was nothing about uh, the quality or the performance of the show that led it to be taken off, which is a shame because it didn't deserve to be taken off. Um, And here it is eight years later and people are still talking about it. So I'm very proud of the work that I did with Gary Meyer. Um, but as I said, I, I, I on, on WGN, and um, but I certainly would. I'm I'm a, I'm a footnote at best in the grand history of WGN with Franklin McCormick or Wally Phillips or Orion Samuelson or Bob Collins or so many more that um, that helped establish that uh, that station. But I thought that I would share some of my own memories. As well as, as I said, I mean, it, it, as a kid growing up here in Chicago who wanted to get into radio since I was 12, to have ultimately worked and been a personality on WGN radio um, is quite satisfying and fulfilling because WGN certainly is one of the best known and most historic stations in the country. For many years, during radio's heyday, WGN was a destination radio station for radio personalities. There were people around the country who worked hard in their own markets to hopefully someday be able to get to WGN. It was a place that they wanted to work at. It had that much prestige. Now, sadly, commercial radio in general, and this is no great blockbuster statement here has lost it's 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 a lot of its listenership and popularity not because radio is any worse than it was it's just that we have so many more options the average person has so many more options you know 30 years ago there was radio and television that was it and really if you look back at the history when when things started to change it really wasn't the the internet. I mean, certainly the internet amplified everything and just took everything and, and, and ran with it and, and, and sped the change and the evolution. It sped everything up. But really, the, the key, two keys, was it happened in the 80s that, that began to change the media landscape and especially the listener and viewer behaviors two things the introduction of the vcr video cassette recorder that allowed you to tape a show and watch it another time time shifting they used to call it and um and then the the uh expansion of cable television 
Cable television had been around for many years, mainly in rural areas where the over-the-air signal could not be picked up because of either its remoteness, there wasn't a tower there because it was so remote, or due to uh, obstacles, you know, forests and trees would block the signal. So for people in these kind of far-out rural areas that were not close to a major city or metropolis where there were towers for the signal to be beamed, they, they laid a cable. So you didn't have to worry about the air. This was a cable, like electricity. Now the cables, a lot of cables are buried underground. But at the time, the cables were just, you know, on the, on the same poles as your... Um, your telephone lines, even when there, when there were telephone lines, still are electrical lines, we know that. Whenever there's a storm, we know that. <laughs> but, um, but when cable became not just for the rural, but it became this content-heavy uh, platform, medium, with 100 channels, then suddenly... The world expanded and uh, in terms of entertainment and media and, and listener and, uh, and especially TV viewer um, options and behaviors. And the networks used to be dominant, right? ABC, CBS, NBC, some of the UHF stations, if they came, th- if they came through because there was always some you know, broadcast problems with that. Those signals weren't as strong, PBS. But suddenly there were competing things on cable and people were willing to pay for it because it was viewed as premium entertainment. And as I said many times, MTV changed the world. Um, you had MTV, you had HBO and, and, and those early uh, cable networks and stations that, not only began to compete with the networks, but actually overcame them and actually um, the networks were chasing what they were doing. It was a huge shift. And the VCRs, I said too, the fact that I could, I didn't have to wait until Thursday at eight o'clock to watch a show. I could watch it whenever I wanted because I could tape it. There was a time when it was there was just very strict rules. There was only so many media outlets to get your entertainment, and and they ruled the roost. It's going to be on at eight o'clock, and it's and that's when you have to watch it. And we did it because that was the only option we had. And then the VCR and cable, which both hit around the same time, the growth of cable and the VCR in the mid eighties, changed everything. And as we as those behaviors became more ingrained, then new technologies were feeding into those, and then the internet came, and then social media, and then the smartphone, and that's where we are today. And now streaming services, and that's where we are today. But uh, but WGN Radio is in Chicago. As I said, not only you know Chicago legendary, but even. For radio people, especially people that know the medium, WGN is is one of the Mount Everests, or yes, or at least certainly one of the one of the faces on the radio uh, for radio stations on the Mount Rushmore of radio stations. 
And I speak of Mount Rushmore, interestingly, there's a little connection there. Several years ago, my wife and I went to Rapid City to see Mount Rushmore. And uh, we're walking through the city. And if you ever go to Rapid City to see Mount Rushmore, you go into the town, and one of the unique things about the city, it's a small town, but one of the interesting things in, in, in tourist sites is throughout the city, throughout its downtown, on many street corners, and you can get a map and find where they're at, every street corner, most street corners in a certain area, the block area of the downtown area, has a statue of the pre- one of the presidents of the United States. I don't know how this tradition started, but they have statues of all the presidents on the corners. You can get a map and say, oh, I want to go see Lincoln. Okay, he's over on there on that street. He's at the intersection of blank and blank. Oh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see James Polk. <laughs> I'd like to see Millard Fillmore. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to see Millard Fillmore. I want to see Herbert Hoover. And, uh, you know, and you could go and, and see their statue. Well, uh, we were walking, and there was a statue of FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And FDR, even though radio started in the 20s, I'm just saying, WGN Radio celebrating its 100th anniversary from 1922, uh, but it wasn't as, it started, but it was, it was not. It didn't blanket the country. Not everybody had a radio then. It took it took a few years, and uh, for this technology to develop and 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 get uh, be strong, and the radio towers, and the people to understand it and and feel the need for it, and buy radios. It was about a twenty or so year process. And one of the first presidents to really embrace radio and the ability to communicate to as many people as possible live, as opposed to mostly at that time, before that, strictly newspapers, was Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the late 30s and early 40s, especially during World War II. But he embraced this technology. Uh, He had these things called fireside chats where he would go on the radio and update the country on what was going on. They were on the radio. He came into their homes. And it was called Fireside Chat because the whole idea was that he was kind of in your living room in as you had your fire on in your fireplace if you had one. It was a calming, reassuring voice of the president that you could just turn on your radio and hear him talking to you like I'm talking to you right now. So maybe I've been influenced by FDR's Fireside Chat. Maybe this podcast is my own version of the Fireside Chat. But um, so FDR is certainly known for many things, very accomplished presidency, only four-term president we've ever had, saw us through the Depression, saw us through World War II, and, um, and was a strong and respected leader. And he did embrace the new media of radio. And so... All these statues in Rapid City, uh, you know, have the presidents in, in various poses. And fittingly, they've got FDR, even though he did have polio and, and was paralyzed. And many times, um, you know, he was not shown in a wheelchair because people felt that it would look like weakness. But for the most part, FDR was in a wheelchair. But 
many times he could stand for for short periods of time and so he did if he had to give a speech he he was standing up to look strong star smile strong there's a little call back to that but um but so fdr's statue in rapid city shows him at a podium giving a speech and sure enough he's giving that speech with microphones for radio and one of the microphones has the WGN logo on it meaning that there's WGN broadcasting one of the president's speeches to perhaps the country certainly to the midwest so i saw the statue like oh my god and i was, and i was you know i was on the air that at that time this was during you know the mid uh, you know 2000s and i was like oh my god i felt so cool and so proud that there hey there's a place i work and there's the wgn flag they call those little squares that you see on the uh, on the microphones if you see people at a press conference they call those flags because it shows the the logo and there's the wgn flag on this statue representing fdr how cool is that it shows you the power and the legacy and the history of wgn radio if you ever see the film, great film. If you haven't seen this film, please go on a streaming service, go somewhere, go get get this darn film and watch it. Great film called Inherit the Wind with Spencer Tracy and Frederick March. And even Dick York from Bewitched is in it. And Harry Morgan from, uh, from Dragnet and MASH and Gene Kelly. Great film about uh, uh, taken up about the... Sp- the Scopes Monkey Trial, uh, sort of a takeoff on that. It's not, it's not it's historically accurate every way, but it's it's influenced by the the famous Scopes Monkey Trial of somebody that was teaching evolution in the South, and he was this teacher was uh, was put on trial because he was teaching evolution as opposed to the biblical uh, story of how man was created. And there was huge controversies, you know, in the 20s and 30s about that, especially in the South. It was so religiously based. Great film, Inherit the Wind. You have to see it. And if you do see it, toward the end, when the verdict is being read, because this story is taking on huge proportions for the country, when the verdict is being read in the film, a, a, a radio microphone is brought in to broadcast the verdict to the country, or at least to a good portion of it, whoever can listen to it. And once again, the one microphone with a flag on it in this film, portrayed in this film, to show you the legacy and importance of WGN is WGN Radio. So if you're in the Chicago area and you you go by 7.20 a.m., you should know there's a rich, historic, legendary history to this station. And as I said, it's celebrating its 100th anniversary. And as I said, I, as not only a radio listener from a young kid, but now as a, a radio professional, to have worked on WGN full time, five days a week, 
and rose to a certain amount of success on that station. Uh, even though I wasn't on for 20 years and 30 years, it wasn't Wally Phillips or Orion Samuelson. Um, I'm, at least as I said before, a footnote in that history, and I'm proud of it and proud of the work that I did on WGN and still appear on WGN as far as uh, Dean Richards has been very generous and very supportive and encouraging, and he always invites me on his weekly radio shows and I, and I, as, to, to co-host with him. Uh, you know, four, five, six times a year, maybe, and um, and he invites me to his um, his annual remote broadcast, especially the Christmas shows, Tree Time, here in the Chicago area. And I fill in for Dean. I used to do a lot more fill ins for different shifts um, throughout the day as well. So I'm very proud of the fact that uh, that my radio career brought me to. The preempt, or the, the 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 one of the, if not the prominent radio stations, historic legacy stations, not only in the city of Chicago but in the country, WGN seven twenty AM. Now, if you're like me, um, WGN has always been around in my lifetime, right? Unless you're more than a hundred, <laughs> so in my lifetime, there's always been a WGN. And uh, my earliest memories of WGN radio were certainly selfish reasons. I would turn tune in, and me and my classmates, anybody, if you remember in the early 70s, early to mid-70s, especially when we used to have really bad snow and, and, and even worse snow removal in the city, there used to be something called snow days. I think they still have them, but now with so much remote learning, I don't even know if you even have snow days anymore. But in the 70s and 80s, there used to be a lot of snow days. We had big, heavy snows, and we didn't have as many uh, well-designed either plans for snow removal or sophisticated um, equipment. But um, the city was pretty much, when it snowed, you know, 12 inches of snow more, it was, you, you couldn't get around here. And, of course, in 1979, the blizzard of 79, the city was literally crippled for about a week because the snow just fell uh, it, it all at one time, and, and, and the, the then Mayor Belandic uh, was a very inept mayor. He was right after uh, Daly. And uh, the city was, was literally paralyzed. You couldn't get through side streets. Even major thoroughfares were completely snowbound. And, um, and that's why Jane Byrne won and beat Belandic, because the city was literally not working for a week. People were snowed in, but but even but you always listen to WGN radio for the school closings. If anything was going on, it was mostly snow days, but a lot of the things other things going on. But WGN was where you went to listen for the snow for the for the closings. They would they would throughout the morning, starting at like five or six in the morning, they would read the snow the 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 school closings if there was a big snowstorm or something like that. And you'd listen to hear if your school was announced. Once again, there was no texting. There was no internet. I know it sounds archaic to some people, that, 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 but that's the importance of, 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 of some of these, um, these media uh, you know, and these technologies, the importance in our lives. You, you, you went to the television. You went to the radio for not just entertainment, but for, for vital information for your daily life. And so WGN Radio 
was not only uh, you know there to in- entertain and keep you engaged, but it was also there to, in- to inform you. It-, it was passing along vital information for your life, for your day. And that's why it has such a, a, a deep loyalty with some people throughout generations and families because WGN has been a constant for, for most people that live here in the Chicago area or in the Midwest. WGN actually over the air goes to about 37 states because of the power of its signal, 50,000 watt station. At times, based on the sun and other obstacles, as I said before, you know, it's trees, but the coverage of WGN goes to 37 of the 50 states. There were some times when we were out in the afternoon where people would call us from, from, from Arizona. They would, they would be on their radios, no special equipment. They're just their AM radio, same AM radio in their car, whatever. They'd hit 720 and WGN in Phoenix would be coming in clear. And they would call us up and say, I'm listening to you in Phoenix. How are you listening to us? Well, on the radio. Pretty cool. But WGN was providing a service, a community service, as well as a commercial service, right, to entertain you and selling commercials and ads and revenue. But it was also providing vital information for you personally. And I think that's the connection that many people have with WGN. It was there. You went to it for important information. As a little kid, I first heard about WGN radio because I wanted to find out if I was going to school that day or not. Purely selfish, no question. But I wanted to find out if I was going to school that day. So that was probably, from my memory, the first recognition of WGN radio was turn on WGN. They said to put on WGN radio tonight uh, when we left school because it's supposed to snow tomorrow, and they said to listen for the school closings. And then, of course, as I got a little older and became a sports fan, I listened to the Cub games on WGN radio. I, th- I told the story how we used to try to listen to opening day on a little transistor radios during school with a little earplug in our ear. And my first announcers on radio for Cub games were um, Vince Lloyd and Lou Boudreaux. Hey, good kid. <laughs> Jack Brickhouse would be on as well. He was on television, but he also did some... Uh, some um, some innings on the radio. Of course, he started on the radio. As, as all, you know, Ronald Reagan used to broadcast Cub games on the radio. But, uh, but, my, but the team that was on the radio when I was growing up, when I first started listening, was Lou Boudreaux, who was a, was a former baseball player, Hall of Famer. Um, he was a player manager with the Cleveland Indians when he was 26 years old. He was a really good player. And Vince Lloyd, who was a broadcaster. And then I, would li- then I became a Blackhawks fan. I would listen to the radio, listen to the Blackhawk games on the radio, and I would listen to Lloyd Pettit. Shot the goal! So I listened to WGN radio in my early young years for entertainment, sports-wise, and for school closings. That's how WGN got on my radar screen as a young kid. Now, admittedly, as I got older and listened to radio, um, I started to listen to music. I got into music at an early age. So I didn't listen to WGN then as much because 
you know, it was more because then during the day and stuff, they didn't play radio. You know, they didn't play music. They play. They talked about different topics and news. And I was a little kid. I wasn't interested in that. So I did gravitate then more toward the the music stations in the city, which again were were, were amongst, amongst the most prominent not only in the city, but they had great influence around the world. Chicago has always been a media capital. It's not like New York, but it certainly uh, is a, a major market. And the, many of the media uh, giants had. Their beginnings here in Chicago, as I said, because of Zenith, especially in some other early companies uh, that were pioneers in television and radio that were based in Chicago. So that's why a lot of the, uh, the media companies also started here. And uh, so admittedly, as I got older, I didn't listen to WGN as much. I certainly knew it existed. And once again, I was listening for the school closings. But um, I didn't really listen to Wally Phillips. That was considered sort of your parents listened to Wally Phillips. And Wally Phillips, if you don't know who he is, was so dominant as a morning personality in Chicago radio on WGN that today WGN radio has basically has its reputation and its loyal listeners because of Wally Phillips, who was on you know, 50-some, almost 60 years ago. He was so popular. Just to give you an example, in the rating system, which they still have today, if you have about an 8 or a 9 rating, even a 7, and I won't give you the, the parameters of that, but just these are the numbers that they use. How they're calculated isn't important. If you get a 7 or an 8 rating or a 9, that's considered huge in today's radio market because everything has been so splintered and there are so many options. So the, the radio listenership has certainly decreased on a daily basis. When Wally Phillips, at his prime in the 70s, was broadcasting, his ratings were 25. 25. Almost three times. And, and he kept, and he had, his competition was in the dust. Everybody who listened to morning radio, aside from young kids who was listening for music, listened to Wally Phillips. He was huge. He, he, was, he was the morning personality in Chicago, bar none. And those numbers will never be matched, and his influence and his popularity will never be matched. And you had Wally Phillips, and you had, as I said before, Orion Samuelson. I had the, uh, the opportunity to work with Orion. How cool was that? Talking about the pork bellies and his farm reports. Because, once again, WGN was a, was a major uh, rural station because of its power, because of its 50,000-watt signal that could go around the country, you know, uh, Orion's, Orion Samuelson's um, farm reports were key for farmers. Farmers would base their day and their and their um, their their plowing and their and their harvesting based on what Orion was talking about. The importance of WGN and the prominence of it cannot be understated. And. Uh, and so, like I said, admittedly, uh, I didn't listen to, to WGN throughout much of the 70s or 80s because I was listening to music. I was listening to, I was listening to WLS 
AM or WCFL AM. Those were the two big music-oriented, you know, rock music-oriented stations. And uh, so I was listening to Bob Surratt, who now is on WGN, or Larry Lujak, who's on WCFL and later on WLS, because I was listening to music, and they would they would pepper in you know some news and pop culture stuff, but I was basically listening for the music. So to, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't I didn't hear a lot of Wally's greatest moments because I was a little too young for that, and that was considered your parents' radio station. And ironically, then I became a fan of Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer, who I later worked with. So that was a pretty cool uh, ex- experience for me. Working with Gary Meyer, I always compare it to you know is, is, that listening to Steve and Gary is why I wanted to get into radio as a, as, a, as, a, as a young kid because they made it sound so cool and so fun. And so when I had a chance to work with Gary on a daily basis, for me it was like Babe Ruth asking you to to play catch in Yankee Stadium. It was almost unbelievable. And uh, as I said before, I'm very proud of the work I did with him, and I'm very uh, you know, excited to have been able to work with one of my idols. It's, it's a very cool experience. But the irony is, I really found out about WGN more because of Steve and Gary, who, to make their, to make their own reputation and appeal to the young people, made fun of WGN, made fun of Wally Phillips, made fun of the way that, you know, the, the, the broadcasting format because it was considered your parents' radio station, kind of, a, you know, for squares because, you know, the, the young rebels, the Stephen Garys were talking about rock and roll and, and drugs or whatever, you know, you know, whatever was cool with kids. And so there was this kind of generation gap thing that they created. And so I discovered WGN more and began to listen to it because Stephen Gary would make fun of it. And the irony was I saw the humor in it, but then I started listening anyway. And so that's how I discovered then Wally Phillips and and Eddie Schwartz and some of these other people that they would use as targets. Now, the... The funny thing is that if not for Wally Phillips and WGN, Stephen Gary never would have been become popular, because while Wally was at the, was was the undisputed king, Stephen Gary were very smart. They went after the big Kahuna, and Wally Phillips didn't need to even acknowledge they existed. They were they were blips on the radar screen. But Wally must have been a little insecure, like most performers are, and Steve and Gary were making fun of Wally on a daily basis. Steve wrote this parody song called Oh Wally instead of to the words of Mandy. And instead of just ignoring it, he took their bait and began to mention their names on WGN and mention their names and acknowledge them, and that just fueled the fire. Once... If you were a listener of Stephen Gary, when you knew that not only did you were you making fun of Wally Phillips, but now you got under his skin, that was the coolest thing that could ever happen. And I and ironically, 
But I didn't look at it in a bad way. I, I was laughing along with Stephen Gary and, and, the, and the satirical stuff they would say about WGN and Wally Phillips. But at the same time, they actually brought me to Wally Phillips and, and Eddie Schwartz and WGN. I began to listen more regularly, even though maybe I was, I was listening more for the ironic humor of it that Stephen Gary was kind of pointing out to me as a young kid. But regardless, I started to listen to WGN more regularly because they put it on the radar screen for me. I would have never listened to it. They sort of made it quasi-cool to listen to WGN for whatever reason. But I wasn't listening just to make fun of it. I was listening like, well, this isn't actually, this is interesting. I went there because they were making fun of it, but then I listened to it because I was finding some merit to it as I was getting older. So it was an interesting kind of road for me to do how I discovered WGN. And then later, of course, um, still listening to the Cubs and then with Harry Carey. Holy cow, Harry Carey, you know, he used to be on the radio as well as television. He would leave the TV and do three innings on radio. Could you imagine that today? Holy cow. So Harry was on WGN. And then, of course, my idol, of which I made a little notoriety for myself, because then I was uh, impersonating Ron Sano, who was a Cubs broadcaster and great Cub player, number 10, Hall of Famer, finally. Come on! And, and Ron's love for the Cubs and his, his unabashed emotion, his unabashed, uh, you know, partisan bias for the Cubs came through. He was the ultimate Cub fan. Every Cub fan identified with Ron, and uh, he sadly passed away several years ago at a young age before he finally got into the Hall of Fame, but he wasn't the best broadcaster at all. He didn't have a good voice. His voice got very hoarse toward the end of his life, Uh, but he knew baseball, but his passion for the Cubs was unmatched, and it was interesting just to listen to him and Pat Hughes because Pat, who was a great broadcaster, would, would... Allow Ron to be Ron. That was Pat Hughes' greatest uh, talent. He's a solid broadcaster, but he was smart enough to realize that Ron was never going to be a polished broadcaster, so don't even pretend, don't even pretend it and, and let him be Ron and celebrate Ron. And that's what he did, and that's what we were able to do. And Ron was so funny, he would make so many mistakes and be confused sometimes and, and malaprops and the whole thing that I, I sort of, picked up on that and did my own little Ron Sano impersonation on WGN. In fact, when we went to WGN in 2009, I first started work with Gary Meyer uh, in 2007. We were on WCKG here in Chicago, and that's where my Ron Sano impersonation started. And when we got to WGN, we wanted to do it because it was, it was getting popular at, at WCKG. And initially, the people at WGN said, you can't do that. You know, Ron is, is, is a god here. You can't make fun of him. I wasn't making fun of Ron. I always do believe that impersonation is the highest uh, you know, compliment you can give someone. If you impersonate someone, even if you're making fun of them in some way, you're still respecting them. My view is if, I, if I'm impersonating someone, that means I have to pay attention to them. I'm picking up little, little things about their personality, the way they talk, what they say. That means I'm paying attention to them. That's a compliment. 
And plus, I'm a, I was a huge Ron Sano fan. I grew up wearing number 10 throughout my whole baseball career in Little League and in high school. I played third base initially because of Ron Sano. I loved Ron Sano. I knew a lot about Ron Sano, which made my impersonation funny too, I think, because I would bring up facts and figures about Ron that the average person wouldn't know, but they were true. So my impersonation of Ron Sano was in no way making fun of him. It was actually honoring him. So much so that I did it for Ron on WGN, and he laughed and got a kick out of it. When he gave it the blessing, then everything was fine. So I always have to thank Ron Sano. I wound up not only being uh, on this radio station that I listened to, but then I got a chance to meet and actually, you know, bond with one of my idols, good old number 10, Ron Sano, broadcaster for Chicago Cubs. So it, it, it's been an interesting, you know, road and an interesting path. And, uh, and now, of course, uh, you know, the radio station in radio has changed so much. The impact and the influence of the station, of any radio station, is not what it used to be. But there's no doubt that still among radio stations, WGN Radio still carries, you know, an amazing cachet. And, uh, and I am proud to have been and still, to some extent, uh, a part of that history, as I said, I'm I'm in no way trying to elevate whatever my contribution was. I'm a footnote at best. There are some radio giants, deservedly, that, that need to be on the Mount Rushmore of WGN Radio. But I am proud personally, especially having grown up in the city, have listened to WGN as a little kid, to have gotten to be and then wanted to be on radio and to be of work there. I will always remember my 50th anniversary, my 50th birthday. I will always remember my 50th birthday. Because I was born at 3:12 in the afternoon uh on January 8th. And on January 8th, on my 50th birthday at 3:12 and I have a picture of it little you know digital clock in the studio the showcase studio at uh, at that time at the Tribune Tower on Michigan Avenue which was the coolest I always said that the showcase studio on Michigan Avenue in the Tribune Tower was the coolest office I ever worked in five days a week looking out on Michigan Avenue watching people walk by watch them and have them look in on us was an unbelievable experience and I remember looking at the clock, taking a picture of it when I was exactly 50 years old. At 3.12, we were on the air. Our show went from 3 to 7, and we were on the air. And I looked at the clock at the minute I was born, of 50 years officially, and I remember saying to myself, there is no other place I would want to be right now than where I am. And if you asked me, When I was 12 years old, when you're 50 years old, where would you want to be when you're 50? I would have said I would want to be on a radio station in Chicago broadcasting. And that's exactly where I was. And to have been that radio station to have been WGN was the cherry on top of the birthday cake. 
So I will always remember my 50th birthday because at the exact minute that I was born, that my 50th birthday officially hit at 312 in the afternoon on January 8th, I was on WGN radio doing exactly what I always wanted to do. And so WGN will always have a very special place for me in my life because, as I said, it was the destination for radio. It was the top of the, of the line to be on WGN. And here it is this year in 2022 celebrating its 100th university, uh, anniversary, which just shows you its staying power, its importance, its history, and its legacy. And so uh, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, I have worked on full-time at WGN. I got to meet many of those people. I got to sit at the same chair in the same studio. That Wally Phillips used to... I, one time we were... They had several studios in the, at WGN when they were still at the, um, at the Tribune Tower. And one day we were not in the showcase studio. We were broadcasting from another studio inside, and uh, I was sitting in this chair, and I was running the, the board hitting all the little buttons. And uh, one of the engineers who had been there for years came up to me and said, you know, you're sitting where Wally used to sit. And wow, that was pretty cool. So I've had some very uh, memorable and self-satisfying moments uh, as part of the WGN family and the experiences of working at WGN, and as I said, fulfilling some childhood dreams that were fulfilled by WGN. And so as it celebrates its 100th anniversary, its 100th birthday, uh, I am proud to have been a part of its legacy, as small and brief, as footnotish as that is. I can still say that I worked at WGN I was a part of WGN. I got to meet and work with some of the the uh, the greatest and well-known personalities in Chicago radio and in WGN history while I was there. I got to walk the same halls, sit in the same seats, work in the same studios, talk in the same mics that some of those legends did. And WGN has been as iconic and as important to Chicago as Lake Michigan and Lakeshore Drive, and the Water Tower, and uh, Michigan Avenue, and the Wrigley Building, and State Street, and any kind of icon that identifies Chicago, the Chicago River, WGN is just as important and just as iconic to Chicago as those things are. WGN Radio, 720 a.m. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 314. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen.